This is our podcast, and it sounds like this. <laughs> oh, man. Or like, yeah. I'm going to do fire walk with me kind of noises that the arm says. Or slurpy noises of the garbanzumzumzia, the vomit food of the Red Lodge. Okay, I don't know uh, if you guys are feeling the way we're feeling. Uh, it took us, we did a rewatch. We watched them as they came out, the the series, Twin Peaks, The Return. And then we had to go back. But before we watched The Return, we watched season one and season two. And then we watched this twice. And then we watched Fire Walk With Me. Probably not the right order. No, we did it all in the wrong order. In the complete wrong order. So if you're trying to even sort of remotely figure out what happened, and we were very, we really wanted to find out what happened. We, we should have done Fire Walk With Me, Seasons 1 and 2, and then The Return. That's probably obvious to a bunch of people out there, but, you know, not for, not for me. And I should have known better because, um, because of our age gap, I saw it back in 1989 well, yeah. when you first came on the air. Is it, I mean, is it Fire Walk With Me and then The Return? No, it's Fire no, Walk With Me and then The... Um... No, 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 no. The, the way it was made... The order was made was the series. Yeah. And then Fire Walk With Me. Yeah. And then The Return. Right. But if you watch Fire Walk With Me, well, I mean, that's you, that begs a good question. It's Fire Walk With Me, original series, yeah. and then Return. If, if you're you want to watch it, it in a, there's no linear in Lynch World, but if you're just like going to put pieces together, yeah, maybe, the, maybe that's a way. I don't know. Closest. I don't know if any kind of good advice will lead you to, to what this is. Because, okay, so I watched the original, I was already a David Lynch fan when the series came on TV, and I mean, I remember me and my, my friends, we all worked at a TV station in, in Alabama, and it came on our network. We were an ABC affiliate, and we were just all just like giddy and kind of laughing going, who the fuck would let David Lynch put a TV show on ABC and and put it on there as a nighttime soap opera like Falcon Crest and and people were coming to it like that and we were like has anybody seen a razor head at ABC has anybody seen blue velvet like what in the actual hell is going on surely they're familiar with Lynch's work and uh surely they and the fact that even ABC just put it on television i was just like all right go for it and um and it was a thing of beauty and it was very Lynchian. It was actually kind of tame for him, you know, because they couldn't show the stuff that they showed. So, yeah. Interesting. Then, you know, the, the show becomes a movie, and the movie gets panned, and it was very art house, and we loved it. Uh, we and our group had a little TV show called Way Too Late back in the day. We had uh, the 20 viewers, and, and we had like a little tiny cult following, and we, we spoofed Lynch. That's how weird we were. Uh, and it's kind of hard to spoof Lynch. I think we just verbatim just acted out scenes from the movie because there was no way to parody it, but we loved Lynch so badly uh, and so hardcore that we, oh, man, it was bizarre. And then like years go, 25 years go, uh, goes on, and Lynch and Mark Frost come back together for this revival. And as Lynch has said, you know, Art House is dead, film's in trouble. And Showtime saw fit to give this guy a platform, him and Mark Frost, to bring this wonderful, wacky, fucked up series back. 
And it was probably the perfect place for it to land somewhere on a cable network, you know, HBO, Showtime. And I'm glad Showtime let him do it. We have 18 hours, maybe a little bit more, because some of these uh, episodes are longer than that, to, to, to get back into the story. So I'm excited. I'm giddy as a schoolgirl, and I'm telling you, David, let this is coming back. This is coming back. And you were like, okay, that's awesome, you know. Yeah, this, I, this I, is I cool. I was not really a Lynch. I don't think you'd seen anything about Lynch. No, I wasn't. So I, you didn't know what it was. Yeah. And like you, but you saw my excitement. I was like, "Oh my god, this is great!" And you were like, "Well, tell me what it's like." And I'm like, "There's just literally nothing that I can compare it to." And I'm not trying to be snotty. I wasn't trying to be like, "You don't know." I'm like, "There's just no way to explain Lynch unless you see it." Okay, and even if you see it, then that doesn't explain anything. So I think we sat down and watched the original series, and you were kind of looking at me like, "I don't get it." And get why you're like so excited about this. Was that your reaction? Yeah, that was that was my reaction. It was very much, you know, I didn't know what really what to make of it, and I didn't even really necessarily try to understand it. You didn't really care. You're like that. Well, that was the thing. Yeah. Well, it was more of like a you know, I'm just going to take it in, see what this is, put it, see if I can figure out what what um, you know pigeonhole i should put this in right i knew it wasn't like okay i'm gonna go watch transformers sure dawn you, of you the fallen was, or whatever yeah. the I mean, fuck you it's also called. you watch jim Jarmusch. i mean you like yeah. art house stuff but you yeah. just but like this pigeon's on fire and it's ends are its eyes are inverted and it it screams judy it's just you know there's no there's no hole for this pigeon to go into and and me asking you what you know just some advice of what am i how should i put this and you said well you can't really you can't really pigeonhole this. So I, I think most of my approach for that first initial watching of the uh, return was just, you know, open mind, try to figure out. I mean, if at least try to figure out what the storyline is. But then, you know, it's so nonlinear. You're just like, okay, then I'm not going to do that. That's going to be tough. Yeah. And so you just, you know, you, and it didn't happen until. Um, the second watch through of the return of the returned, where I was like, okay, so I know that this is not like A, B, C, and then we're done. It's not like a thirty-minute SVU episode. Well, that we don't watch stuff. I yeah. mean, no, I'm not shitting on SVU. It's got a huge look. Not that's just not my thing. If it's your thing, it's awesome. But yeah. I like the more a little bit more complicated, like a little bit more of a challenge for me. Um, and I, we like Mr. Robot, and we like Game of Thrones, and shows like that, and, you know, Breaking Bad. And not because we're cerebral snotheads. I just, I, that's how I like my television, right? Yeah, so you like I, your steak medium rare. I like my a little bit. Of, I knew it wasn't going to be something like that. So I approached it even the second time through going, okay, what are things that I do like about things I watch? Dougie. And I, I, something I really, really appreciated was his imagery and and the actual art he put up visually what I'm seeing on screen. Yeah. You know, it was not like anything I've seen before. And just the way, I mean, just like even the, you know, you know we, we'll we get into this. Like we're, we're, you know, he holds on these still shots or these at the end of scenes. And sometimes we feel this is uncomfortably too long. It's maddening. But I found it really cool to just look at the screen 
and just take in all the visuals I could take in because I knew that this is important because I, from our talks, I knew that Lynch was not a, just a cavalier guy who's just going to put something on screen. I don't, so you have to pay attention. He gets him a line for, um, shitting things over a cliff and fucking with you and trolling you. I, I think that's a mistake. I think it's a mistake with Lynch and, I kind of buried the lead with you. Like I should have started with this because I forgot it. You know, time passes. I also may have the early Alzheimer's. I don't know. Uh, I maybe drink too much coffee or drink too much uh, alcohol. But here's here's what I should have said from the very beginning when you were like asking how do I approach this. And we probably just should have sat down and watched um, a documentary about Lynch because the way to get him is to understand the man and the artist and the way he approaches his art. He started out as an artist. He still is. Um, I love his shit. His stuff is, it's fucked up and amazing and beautiful and, um, terrifying. And if you understand like how he grew up as this kind of this idyllic Americana thing and then how he processed like trauma in his life, you understand who, how Lynch sees the world, how he will take Americana or take a little small town like he does in Blue Velvet, which came before this. He takes Lumberton and he takes these everyday uh, American clean cut kids and then he exposes them to these this horrific villain in the form of Dennis Hopper. You know, you have Laura Dern, who's a baby and Kyle MacLachlan, who's a baby and they're exposed to this trauma don't spoil it for me yet because I'm still watching it. Right. Okay. I won't. I won't. So I won't spoil it. And 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 it, you see where Twin Peaks comes out of. So if you know that, then you're like awesome, and you know really how his mind works. And you, you don't really fully know how his mind works, but you get a sense of it. And once you get a sense of that, then you can see something like Twin Peaks and go, okay, we're seeing things magnified in some cases. There's a lot of um, symbolic. Uh, things. There's a lot of numbers. There's a lot of signs. There's a lot of interpretation. There's a lot of stuff he wants to throw out there, and he's not just going to hand it to you. Yeah, there, there is. But I don't think he's fucking with people. No, no. There is, you know, there is a a myriad of avenues of interpretation, and just like any art, I think, you know, it's all on the the viewers. Um, how their mind works. I mean, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure there are things where, where he said this where in, in his mind, like I, I'm assuming like all artists where this is what they intended. Yeah. Um, I definitely, he, I think he had, I don't think he just sloppily took Showtime's money and just shot random scenes. Yeah. I really do think it's all there. And I think him and Mark Frost literally have a story here. It's just very Mobius. <laughs> which is a huge part of the story. Uh, Philip Jeffries would tell you this is Mobius. And that you can't, we're not on a timeline. There's no, the timeline is warped and it is Mobius. And we may not be in the same universe all the time. We literally are in the Black Lodge or the Red Lodge or the Purple Room. We're literally in those places, but we may overall may be in the mind of Audrey Horn for all we know. Yeah. That season three may be all in Audrey Horn's head, that she got raped by Cooper and she's in a comatose state after the bank vault. And this whole dealio is Audrey dreaming it. And we'll get to, like, why some people think that. But 
I think before you even watch the show, these are only suggestions. You watch television however the hell you want to watch television uh, and take in art. But for for those people who just like threw like their you know device across the room, uh, if you if you're made of money, uh, throw your TV. But uh, I would encourage before you go throwing things around that I think there's a beautiful intent here. It actually is kind of lovely and awesome once you relax and you don't try to force, what does this mean? What does this mean? And just sort of take it in, maybe watch it a second time. And I'm sure I'll watch this series again a third and fourth time, and I'll be sitting here when that happens going, oh, fuck, there it is. Oh, I see. Oh, this is so obvious. But as we sat to watch it the second time, I started to go, oh, I think it's this. I think it's that. And what we're about to say today... I am not saying that uh, we are right. This is just our interpretation. Your interpretation and then my (laughs) interpretation. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like, we both have our thoughts about what this is, and they're not not totally in sync, and which is completely awesome. That's what I love about it, that it could be a lot of things, right? Yeah. And I think that was the intent. That was the intent. But I do think in his mind, he said, they definitely did these things and blah, blah, yeah. blah, and this is the thing, and this is the thing, and this is the thing. Um, because you just you have to look at Lynch's art. If you go and look at his physical art and his sculpting and his editing, and he has a hand in sound design, he has a lot of sound cues. The songs have meaning. But we're not going to sit here and talk about every single little aspect of Twin Peaks to Return. I think I'm going to... I'm going to start with what I think this story ultimately is. It could be inside Audrey Horn's brain. That that it could be a thing. Uh, but I'm going to first start with what I think is happening. So we start in the Black Lodge. First of all, when I heard the theme, uh, after all these years, knowing it was a brand new show, <laughs> I did pee. Not just a little. I think I just, uh, I think I peed on myself. I, it was just so, for me, that nostalgia was there. Um, it made me tear up. There was liquids, uh, coming out of both ends of my body because you just don't, I don't know that you get this many treats. When does a show come around after 25 years of being off the air? And especially this show. Yeah. It was, it was a big deal. So, um, and then seeing Cooper in the black lodge with Laura, you know, and you've got comic Lachlan and Cheryl Lee sitting there. And, you know, he's there with the giant um, initially. So he's sitting there with the giant who will learn, will later, he'll call himself the fireman. And he's like, it's, it's happening again. It's in our house now. And there, but I'm just sort of taking in, this is so fucking cool because it's Cooper and it's, it's the giant and this is all of that shit. And we're in the red room and the furniture. And I'm like thinking, oh my God, they had to go hunt down the furniture. And then we get into this this story. So Laura comes back in. She makes some gestures that I'm now picking up from Fire Walk with me um, that Lynch just loved to categorize and throw in there, like the snapping of the fingers and pointing down. And it calls back to Fire Walk with me when she asked the guy to go down under under the booth. All of these little things that if you're like looking at this, you're like, oh, and they're doing the thing and they're doing the thing. Um. But what we what we find out is that on, in all of these twenty five years, you have Mister C, uh, Dark Cooper, Cooper Dangle, Coop, Doppel Cooper, uh, is on Bad the Cooper. loose. Bad Cooper. 
Black Cooper. We're going to call him Mr. C, Black Cooper. We're just going to call him all the things. Anyway, so he's been out running amok, and what he's been doing for his 25 years from the get-go is trying to figure out a way how to not go back into the lodge. Because in 25 years, Laura says at the end of season two, she said, I'll see you in 25 years. So this seems to be the time frame that uh, Mr. C has to come back in so Cooper can go back out. Is there anything that that um, says that is this is this 25 year period? Is it reoccurring or is it just something that just happened? Well, that's a good question, right? Because you know. that I mean, that would be because Cooper has he's aged. You know, if this were just reoccurring, I mean, so is he going to live another 25 years? Will he survive 50 years? You know, like he's physically aging because the actor's aging because it's, yeah. you know, we have to, we got to do that. You know, and Laura's aged. The Giants aged. Everybody in the one-armed man, everybody is, time has passed. So time obviously doesn't stop in the Red Room, right? Uh, and Lynch had to address that. So I don't get the feeling that it's reoccurring. I know a lot of people have that theory out there that we're going to do this again and again and again, but I don't think that. I think this was the 25 years, the time was allotted for whatever reason. I'm sure there's people who know exactly why it's 25 years. I think it's just an arbitrary number that Lynch put out there and then he just addressed in this strange way uh, or in this succinct way, depending on how you want to see it. But I think that uh, Cooper, um, Doppel Cooper, is out there making all of these plans to make damn sure that he doesn't have to go into the Black Lodge ever, that he's going to stay loose and run amok and do his evilness uh, forever and ever. And I don't know if the, the, the doppelgangers are immortal, but, you know, he certainly aged because he was yeah. the young Bob double. Okay, so here's what I think is happening. And I wrote it down, and uh, I really do this in in capitals. So we go through all of this story of Coop getting out uh, and kind of half escaping. His body comes out, but he's sort of half-baked and half-formed, and he's Dougie, and he's in Vegas, and he's an insurance guy. And then Dark Cooper is running everywhere, like trying to put a hit out on this entity the either Dougie and now Dougie has been replaced with the with actual Cooper so his whole efforts are thwarting him and so we go through this whole story and here's where I think we land Cooper defeats the doppelganger with the help of the good guys the giant the firemen and our heroes because of the coordinates on Ruth Davenport's arm and clone Diane sends those to bad Cooper and I think she kind of knows she's double crossing him but I'm not quite sure about that angle anyway so he's going to land at 708 Sarah um, Sarah Palmer's house whom I think is hosting Judy in her body I think Judy is the young girl that had the thing crawl the frog moth crawl into her mouth during God of Light, I believe that's what happened, and that is Sarah freaking Palmer, and I think he was going to go there and hook up with Judy and 
have his power, like, or they were going to, like, I don't know, get married, or um, I don't know what was going to happen, but it was going to be super bad because the good guys, the the White Lodge, the, the Red Room guys were trying to stop it from happening because that would be terrible if that that black corn got together with that evil fire and they conjoined the black Cooper is the corn. Uh, Judy is the fire. If the, the, you ever put those two things together, I think you would have um, badness personified. Right. Right. Yeah. And, okay. So this is no, what no, I, I have, I have no other explanation. So I'm just like, okay, I sure. see what you're saying. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? But so this is, I feel like puppy Sylvia right now. And it's, uh, I just totally feel like I've got the, the red thread on the wall and I'm smoking and telling you this. So the giant thwarts this, the giant up in our, our beautiful heaven room, he waves his hand, he pushes the coordinates to the Twin Peaks fire station so that Cooper, bad Cooper will, will end up there just ahead of good Cooper and he'll be surrounded by our heroes who have who've had this role to play in bringing us to this moment where Lucy knows how to use cell phones, um, where Andy goes down and brings up what is we know to, to be Diane, who's in the cell, Freddie with the glove, and James, who, if he hadn't have sang a song and made Megan fall in love with him, he, he wouldn't have gotten arrested. And uh, they all oh, come yeah, upstairs. That big, that big fight at the Right, after he sang the song, your favorite song. And so they're all in the room. And, you know, and, and Frank Truman's up there. We'll have you sing that. We should just end with that song. We really, because, you know, every Twin Peaks episode ended with a song. We should end with your favorite song. We're going to do that for sure, just to make you feel, you know, because it was your favorite song. So you end up in the room, you get Frank, and you get Andy, and you get Lucy, and you got the gangsters show up, and Cooper, and Gordon, and Albert, and uh, eventually Diane becomes herself, which is the Laura Dern character, and all that kind of stuff. So we're in this room. So that Lucy can shoot Bad Cooper. Then the woodsmen show up to try to, like, you know, put him back together. That gets thwarted. And then Freddie knocks Bob in next week. Uh, Frank Selva's been dead since, what, 1991, 1992. But I love that the show brought him back around and um, he gets to play this this character. He's So he's thwarted. But we know that that's not the end of it. Cooper now has to take the key, the 315 key, that was in his suit that Jade, he dropped in Jade, the prostitute's uh, Jeep Wrangler that she throws in the mail. It comes back to the Northern Lodge that he uses to go into the room under the Northern Lodge to go and do a check-in. Black Cooper's in there blazing. He has a chat with a one-armed man. He goes through all that kind of stuff, right? And he comes out on the other side, the, the curtain call. Yeah, see you at the curtain call. Meets uh, Diane. And then next thing you know, we're, in a, we're doing one of the many driving scenes in the series. And they're driving through the desert in the day, going 430 miles, I guess, from the Great Northern to this place. And they, from what I get from this, they're going into Judy's realm. Who is Judy? Judy, if you watched God of Light, I believe that Judy is the entity that was created from the atomic bomb. Uh, Evil was created out of that moment, and I think she created Bob. And the good guy's answer to Bob was they created Laura Palmer, this angelic force 
uh, that would live to fight against evil. This is literally a good versus evil story. And so, um, yeah, I know. If you're listening to this and your mind is scrambling, this is basically how the show works. So I'm actually probably making more sense than uh, the show does. So I'm not going to feel weird about that right now. Okay, so. Cooper has to save Laura Palmer. That's been his goal. The number one goal of the show is who killed Laura Palmer, but now we have to save Laura Palmer. And him and Diane, um, whom we find out are passionately in love, are driving this 430 miles, and they're going into Judy's realm um, to fight her on her turf. There's a lot of ways we get here. There's a lot of cool stuff that goes down, Philip Jeffries and blah, blah, blah. But he has to go into this realm to retrieve where Judy sent Laura Palmer. She hid her away in Odessa, Texas. She calls herself Carrie Page. She doesn't know anything about Twin Peaks or any of this stuff. And before we even get there, Cooper and Diane go to this motel room. She sees a, a, a version of herself maybe the Linda and the Richard, whatever. And she goes into the hotel room and she has sex with Cooper. But rather than this being the sexy kind of cool thing, he seems a little bit different. Not like Black Lodge Cooper, but there's no real passion here. And she's covering his face because we know that the evil Cooper raped her when he came to see her years ago. So. That's what the, the that Tulpa said. Right. The Tulpa said, you know, he raped me and, you know, she just can't, it's, you know, too much time has passed. Can she now see Cooper the way she did back in the day? Looks like not. So she leaves him a note as Linda to Richard, like, you've changed. I can't do this anymore. And we have to go back to the beginning when the giant says, remember 430 um, and remember uh, two birds, one stone with Richard and Linda. So, this is something Cooper has said, like, I'm trying to kill two birds with one stone to Gordon Cole back in the past. I realize now I'm just rambling. I'm just going to read what I wrote. No, here. no. I mean, if you've watched it, you're following. <laughs> well, okay, baby. If you haven't watched it. I just sound like I probably have a brain tumor. Yeah, and that's why you need to watch it. And then, you yeah. know, because you're leaving out, like. Tons of stuff. Tons of stuff. Well, it's 18 hours. I'm not going to yeah. get to that. But, I mean. It should, I mean, from what you're saying, it should sound intriguing. Maybe, I don't know. This is, okay. So, and so he's in Judy's world. He's in Odessa. Um, Diane is broken up with him. He goes by Judy's diner. I think he um, has been here before or he already knows this or somehow we were in that loop. I don't know. But he goes into this place and he knows that Carrie Page works there. He just instinctively already knows this. And then uh, David Lynch gets a chance to tell us what he thinks about our racist uh, MAGA guys by having... Um, Cooper attack them. I think that was just his political statement in the show. And then the waitress gives him the information. He goes to Carrie Page's house, which is Laura Palmer. And she doesn't know who she is. But she gets a little scritchy when he mentions uh, Sarah's name. She gets a little nervous. He steps into the room to ask her to pack. And she's like, you know, I'm ready to get out of here. And the reason is she's shot her husband, boyfriend, this guy. And we know something's up. We know that Coop is not falling for stuff because the old Cooper or the, the original Twin Peaks Cooper would be like, we need to get into an investigation mode. He completely just ignores this body and looks over at the mantle where there's a white horse, which is, for me, the representation 
of the possession of Sarah Palmer by Judy. And he knows not to fall for it. He knows not to go into investigation mode. He's just here to retrieve Laura Palmer. That is his number one goal. Get her out of there. They get in the car. He's been obsessed with her for all these years in this case. He's been stuck in the Black Lodge for 25 years. They literally talk about nothing in the car. People were so frustrated. But here's what I think happened. He had a singular focus not to get back distracted by anything. I think she says something about I should have kept the house clean or whatever. He takes her to 708. He takes her to the place where Black Cooper was going to go that got thwarted by all that stuff. And this is where Cooper was told by Philip Jeffries to take Laura when Coop goes to the Dutchman's. He says, go here. But be careful, dude. You don't want to get, you don't want to get hung up. You don't want to get stuck. So they go up to the door. Sarah Palmer doesn't live there anymore. It's uh, Mrs. Tremond we know is probably a Tulpa as well, probably a Judy um, way to thwart Cooper from doing what he needs to do at this place. And then she bought the house for Mrs. Chalmont, another Tulpa that we learn about from Firewalk With Me. These are Judy's ways of kind of, you know, always trying to thwart the evil, you know, thwart the good. She's the evil trying to thwart the good. So Cooper's confused. To go to the street, he's like, what year is it? Like, uh-oh, are we here before? Are we losing time? What's happened? And then Laura hears from inside the house uh, Leland calling her, her dad, who was possessed by Bob. And she begins to scream, her blood-curdling scream, and we, we cut to black, and, and all the electricity humming stops, and then we're in the red room with her whispering in Coop's ear, now, a lot of people freaked out and said, oh, my God, they're stuck in a loop. They're going to be stuck here forever. Doing that same thing over and over again. You know, he's going to find all kinds of ways to save Laura Palmer because we do have a scene from Fire Walk With Me where he's – they literally cut into that where he's leading her away from where she's going to be murdered by Leland, right? But she disappears into the woods and screams anyway and is murdered anyway. So you're led to believe that this is going to keep happening again and again and again. I'm just going to go on a limb and say that is not what happened at all. I think that he retrieves Laura so she can thwart evil. She can literally kill the Sarah Palmer Judy entity and thwart this evil. Maybe it comes back around in some form or another, but I think it was a happy ending. And I think what she tells him in the Red Room they're older versions of the cells before the credits roll or as the credits roll. She's telling him, look, you're not really going to, you're not saving me. I need to, I need to fight this thing and you just need to help me. And it's going to be tough and it's going to be rough and we're going to go through hell and you're going to lose Diane and shit's going to be bad, but uh, we're going to have to go in and fight this and you're going to lose a lot of time and this is where we've been. Something to this effect. I could be horribly wrong. But this is what I walked away after and just churning through all of those hours of television. Well, it was his his uh, his destiny, right? It was his destiny. Like Freddie's destiny was, and he even said it, this is my destiny. Everybody has a role destiny. to play. Like Hawk, you know, Log Lady tells him, you know, his role. And um, her log had a part to play. 
And everyone has a role. Frank being there, especially when they go to uh, Major Briggs' wife house, wife's house. And she goes, you know, the day before he died, he said, you guys would all show up. And this is the chair. And here's a piece of paper to take you to all of these things. Everything leads to the thwarting of this evil. So I don't, one thing I'll say about David Lynch, he is not a cynical person. I don't get from him that he's a cynic. And I don't think he would have taken us on this nearly 20-hour journey to simply go, well, they did all that shit for nothing. Evil wins. I just don't see that being, you know, he may come out and say, that's exactly what I meant. But I just don't see him being that way about this. I don't think he would have, I don't think he's trolling us. I don't think he's fucking with us. I think they go through all of these things it's just his happy ending doesn't look like everybody else's happy ending. That's because, and I think that's, I have that notion from watching um, Blue Velvet, where all of this horrible shit happens, but you're like, oh, okay. His endings, his happy endings are far from perfect, and that's why I enjoy it so much. That's my interpretation. I totally think that her scream is designed in this moment. If he just gets her to the to Judy's place, those coordinates where evil lives literally resides all this time because we see Sarah Palmer. She's clearly possessed by something. She bites the throat out of something. The thing that is in her is keeping her drunk and nullified. She's not even, she's like watching garbage, weird cracked out illicit electricity fueled violence on television that's in a loop and there's even someone who said if you look on the table where she's staring and she's stabbing Laura's picture that that she realized it's, she's been thwarted once again and the Judy thing is throwing a fit and stabbing Laura's face like fuck you and that's when she decides to make it as though Laura were never murdered and sends her to Odessa I'll send you to hell. I'll send you to Odessa. And that's where we go back in the original Twin Peaks and we see her body not being on the shore. And she removes it, removes that entire scenario and just puts her in a completely different life. And Cooper knows it's dangerous. He has to go into that realm deeply where Judy is and retrieve Laura. A lot of cool things happen on the way, even if I'm wrong. Loved uh, Dougie Cooper. Yeah. Hello. I swear to God, Kyle McLaughlin was so amazing in this. Mr. Jackpots. Mr. Jackpots. Mr. Jackpots. I, I think if you ever wanted to do a drinking game for the return, you drink every time Naomi Watts says Dougie. Or anyone says Dougie. Anyone says Dougie. You would just be plowed. Like, you'd just be so wasted over some of these episodes. And at first, when I was... When I was first watching this, I was like, oh, my God, does everybody have to say his name? Especially Naomi Watts, Janie E. I'm like, Ugh. But on the second rewatch, I, I really appreciated the repetition of using his name. Who was it? Janie E. and then Sonny. Sonny Jim. Sonny Jim. And, of course, who are your favorite characters? Oh, man. I I really like the um, I like the Mitchum brothers. Oh, God, the, the, those guys were They were awesome. Awesome. I really uh, loved those guys together. And then... Um, even even uh, the the uh, the sandwich ladies, yeah, candy and candy, candy and crew. 
I don't know what that was about. And it's, again, it's I just, just hilarious. I spent so much time just chasing down like what is this and what is that and obsessing about the the girl or the kid in the car that drifts up and vomits while the honking lady at the bar. You know, yeah. there's a lot of stuff that I think if I watched it again and again and again, I go, oh, that's what this means. But you know, we'll do the podcast now. If it comes up later, I'll just probably tack, you know, on the end of one of our other podcasts. Oh, by the way, it's another Twin Peaks thing I've discovered. It'll just, just become a long-running thing where, I'll like, five years later yeah. from now, I'll be like, oh, yeah, now here's another thing. Um, I love the Mitchum brothers. Those guys are great. I liked um, Bushmel, Bushnell. Um, he was named after um, Lynch's, his mentor, Bushnell Keeler. And they made it Bushnell Mullins. I didn't look this up. I forgot to before we did the podcast. But when Sarah um, Sarah Judy is watching television of the boxing match, oh, I wonder if that was the actor who played Bushnell actually in a boxing uh, match. I wouldn't be surprised if that's yeah, that's probably who that was. You know, if that's true, that's cool. Uh, I hope that's true. But so many, uh, so many good things about the show, and, and so many things to think about. Like, Bad Cooper was the one who set up the that observation box that captured that trap in New York, and and it was to we know that the Purple Room was created. I want to say the good guys created this room, and they had those steam bunk, uh, steampunk containers, so that if those Dalek looking things. Yeah, so Judy can't get to you. They stick you in a in a Dalek like they do with Philip Jeffries, and that's where Diane's been hiding out. Uh Major Briggs' head's floating around in there somewhere. But see, it's weird is that that Ronette Pulaski is in there. Philip Jeffries is in the Dutchman, which is the the that's where all the I don't think he lives there permanently. I mean, doesn't he just sort of dissolve in? He doesn't I don't think he's just always hanging out there. I think that's where that's where he goes to meet up. With bad things, because that's woodsman territory. That's that's yeah, Judy's that's territory. Thing. But he's not he's not controlled by Judy. He's a force for good. He's one of our guys. So he just sort of. If I think he, needs when, to when meet you him, go into the room, up. yeah, when you go into and specifically where Philip Jeffrey shows up at the Dutchman's, we got this from Firewalk with me. I went, damn it. So back in Firewalk with me, Laura and Ronette go to that room to hook up with Teresa, and she's bringing Leland to have like a four-way with her friends, right? And then Leland sees that it's Laura and freaks out. Well, on the watching that, it's the same hotel. It's the Dutchman's. That place is marked as a spot. Hmm. So Ronette's in there along with Laura, and that is the room where Philip Jeffrey shows up. It's the same room number in the whole nine, right? So I think that's a spot that he goes to to communicate with Bad Cooper and then eventually Good Cooper, but I don't think he resides there. I think he kind of hangs out. Like if you, there's one shot in the uh, the Ultimate White Lodge, the, the where, where creation he's, room. He's hanging, and then the the giant comes out from behind it, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, but yeah. you see it like a, a a room of machines. Oh, in there that are the the Dalek machines, the steampunk things. So I was like, okay, that's that's just there. That's their those are their Priuses. Yeah. Again, conventional wisdom. <laughs> you have to throw it out the window. It's true. Uh so I think that's a safety place. Anything the the purple things, the Daleks, and I think Philip Jeffries and uh, specifically is part of that plan of when they try to 
capture uh, Cooper in the box, um, he helps him escape. I think he helps divert him. The box squeezes down, you see? Yeah. So, like, when the hit lady um, pages to that machine in the bowl in Buenos Aires, I think it's that's where Philip Jeffries is. I think that's where he actually lives in his steampunk body or some sort of way in that room. Um, and that's the way he communicates with the world at large, maybe. I think he's kind of a, he's not a double agent, but I think he's able to sort of talk to both worlds because he's protected. Because he's doing good stuff. And I think he helps Cooper escape. And I think he was helping that hit lady be a double crosser. Because Ray was a double crosser. So there's a lot of kind of stuff like going on. So everybody has a part to play. Even Philip Jeffries, who, you know, David Bowie, um, rest in peace, David, he couldn't be around to be in this. I think that we would have been seeing him physically in this if, you know, he hadn't passed away. But that was the way to keep him in the mix. That's what I think. I I loved that it's it's a puzzle that you have to sit and just... You don't have to, but it's, there's a puzzle there if you want to go through it. That's where you're, you're truly going to appreciate, you know, what it is, as well as, you know. I just like the silliness, too. Yeah. I like the funness. I like Sunny Jim. I like Dougie. I really love the interaction. Um, I, I like Tom Sizemore being this um, kind of goofy villain. Um, and his breakdown and, and him, his dandruff causing Dougie to touch him, causing him to break down. Um, there was kind of a Twitter thing that went on about somebody saying, you know, it was weird seeing Tom Sizemore in this. And he was like, how was it weird? You know? And I think the guy thought that Sizemore was threatening him. And I don't think he was. I think he was just like, what the fuck? What do you mean? What did I do? It's, and this is like before the show had even wrapped like this, we'd only seen him in two episodes. So kind of took, um, took Sizemore's side and was like, you know, he's actually delightful in this. Yeah, I, I enjoyed watching him in this as well. Um, everybody, like uh, Cole and Tammy and Albert, um, the log lady. It was great to see Nadine and Ed get back together because, um, not Nadine and Ed, but Norma and Ed because Nadine is kind of, she's inspired by Dr. Amp, Dr. Jack D- Jacoby to take her golden shovel and dig her way out of the shit. And so this is the beautiful thing I love about Lynch. He gave us this, this piece of nostalgia. He never intended for everyone to have a happy ending, but he certainly gave it to Norma and Ed. And I appreciated that he took the time to do that. Yeah. And I think he also gave a happy ending to Janie E and, of course, but see that's the in thing. the biggest way. Remember when we that we watched it the second time, and he's at the door, and he's just like home. I'm like, <laughs> did they send the half baked Dougie back? I would, I would, you know what? I would, I would love that if they did. I would love it because there's no, there's no one like Cooper. Um, I think there's no one like Cooper. I think maybe he's not going to be like the half baked Cooper. But I think he's going to be a version of that 50s dad. I think they sent back 50s dad. I'd like to believe. I think he's kind of. Eventually, I think he does toy with you. We Because they really liked. Um, they liked both versions. They liked sweet, kind of goofy, monosyllabic uh, Dougie. 
But they, yeah, they also they also liked, really yeah. liked Super Agent Special Agent Dale Cooper driving the the yeah. Dad knows how to drive. Like, yeah, he knows how to drive real good. I love that he doesn't explain that, but yeah, he's and again, I don't think the man is a total cynic. I don't think he's just going to. I think he's going to give you the horror and the terror and the and the wonder and the wondering. But yeah, I think it's all there. Um, what was I going to say? I love seeing some of these old locations. Uh, that was heartening to see and how they kind of worked around that. I love that we were in Vegas. I thought that was just going to be weird. And it, when I was first watching it, I was like, oh, I'm so irritated that we're in Vegas. And Vegas just it became one of my favorite places that we went to because of the Mitchell Brothers and Dougie. I love Chantal and Hutch. Yeah. I, they were great villains. Uh, it was also great seeing those two back together. I love them and Hateful Eight together. So it was great seeing them. Um, I love... I didn't know what the hell Ben Horn and Jerry were doing. Like, I was like, are we just shoving these guys in the series because they're alive and they're available? I don't think that he did that. The way he talked about casting for this, I think he wrote this and said, the role is here. Let's, if these people are available, let's do this. But he didn't, he didn't go, okay, this guy's alive. I'm going to write a piece for him. He's said that he didn't do it that way. He was like, I wrote it. If there was a role there, I fulfilled that role. Yeah. Well, I mean, like Ben had a a part in getting that um, that key to Dougie, right? Or to, to Agent Cooper, right? So that whole the whole transference of the key from half baked Cooper um, to Jade to Jade, to ben. literally the Jade ring, the green key, and then to um, yeah Sheriff Truman, Harry Truman, yeah, no Frank Truman. To Frank Truman, yeah. who gives it back to the original Cooper, who goes into the Great Lodge and walks into the... So I loved all of that. I loved that we had to go down that rabbit trail, that we had to go to Hawk's map and go to the mountain, and that Major Briggs, the actress, passed away, but how he used posthumously these characters and the wonderful way of Major Briggs had this huge part in solving the mystery and following the leads to thwart Bad Cooper. Um, I loved how they used that. That was brilliant shit. So I love the Woodsman. The God of Light episode, people were calling it like probably one of the best episodes on television. I, I, I know that makes some folks angry. I'm going to agree. I thought it was wacky, awesome, beautiful. Um, you had to sit down and take in that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, you can't go to the art house to see that stuff anymore. That It's rare that you can go out and... And see art house stuff. So, getting to see it on a my cable television show, I loved it. I loved all of that, and it's explaining a lot. It's explaining this is literally the creation of the Black Lodge and its response. So they created the Black Lodge, then the White Lodge or the good guys, the Red Lodge. They they were created. Uh, they created their own response to this evil. Um, it felt like that heaven existed already and then this alarm goes off the steampunk dalek goes off right it's that same shape and it's like here's the alarm and here's this nuclear bomb and out of it comes all of this evil um and then briggs and those guys as part of their blue rose uh projects were studying this particular kind of evil uh that maybe spread at all the other blue rose uh cases uh or not but briggs the way he, you know, we use Bobby uh, going back into the past. Yeah, I like seeing Bobby in 
in the return. And in the return. Yeah. I mean, in the in the first two, um, I was like, he was just annoying. It was a scene chewing brat. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's not like this time around. It was Stephen, <laughs> the guy, who, Becky's husband. He was the scene oh, chewer. Yeah, yeah. But it, I mean, it wasn't like it wasn't like I. By the way, rest in peace, Becky. I didn't like not like him. It was weird. I just I just liked seeing how he. It was nice. How you know see how it, we grow up how, when we have yeah, second chances. Yeah. But Shelly, then Shelly obviously hasn't learned shit. But then he, I mean, at the end of oh, was it Firewalk with me or in the middle of it, he's like he kills that dude. I know, right? And I'm like, how do you become a shit? Did anyone not? Did no one? I talk, guess no you get away out? with it. Your dad didn't find out. It's funny. Bobby totally got away with it. Totally. Totally got away with it. I mean, maybe that's the reason he quite. I mean, he probably cries because of what happened to um, to Laura when he sees her picture and he has that big breakdown scene. But it also be like she knows I killed a guy. But she she also told James. But did James remember? Because I get the feeling that James was in a motorcycle accident after he leaves Laura in Firewalk with me. They certainly hinted that, and somebody says that. Somebody yeah, he, he was, was in, in a motorcycle act, yeah. accident. He ain't straight. He ain't, no. he ain't right in the head. So maybe he forgot that Bobby, straight up, he shot a dude three times. Twice in like the back and once right through the fucking head. So, But Bobby, I mean, Bobby was, he was badass. It's he, like in that, where the, where the kid shot the, uh, yeah. to the thing, and Bobby's like, on the ground yeah. and you know Bobby was to, one of my favorites. He was like, oh man and then the, the, the other you know, the other stupid cop comes up. He's like, <laughs> I heard a shot. I was over at the garage and I heard a shot. Like, okay. I love that he was the dummy, yeah. yeah. Him, um, him and Chad. Him and Chad. Which was weird was like everyone was just hating on Chad. I mean it's like From the very beginning. From the very beginning. I and, liked it. And then it's like it you know, you see what happens to him, but it's like he can't eat his lunch in the thing. No one opens <laughs> and the yet door. Yeah, they bring for sandwiches him. into the conference room. <laughs> you guys, you guys are so mean to Chad. Um, other things that were just really uh, fun. I loved seeing Harry Dean Stanton. Um, he they brought him back from Fire Walk with me. Uh, I love that guy in general. Just loved everything about him. So I liked seeing him back in this. People were like, "What the fuck? He was not in the original." That's why you have to watch Fire Walk with me. Um, because a lot is going down in that trailer park. We also know from Fire Walk With Me that it's one of those places where the electricity, because Judy and her guys are guided by electricity. It is literally the guide wires. That's why you see a lot of shots of uh, Bad Cooper driving. Literally the, the way we they're brought around in the world is by electricity. That's a huge part of this. The dream state is huge, a huge part of this. So in the trailer park, from Firewalk from uh, Walk With Me, we learned that that, what is the numbers? I wrote them down somewhere, but the, the six on the pole yeah. is a place where bad things are sent to. They're, they're exchange stations, if you will, uh, for bad electrical currency where shit goes down. So, but and about that... You know, we, we, Stephen's freaking out. Maybe he's being possessed by something. He's got this troublesome life. He ends up killing Becky. Um, at least that's the way I'm interpreting it. That's why he goes off into the woods and blows his own brains out. Um, what else has gone on in the trailer park? Or under that telephone pole, we see the little kid hit by the car, driven by Audrey and yeah, a Black Cooper was... son. So that was at that same intersection where in Firewalk With Me... Mike comes along and confronts Leland and Laura, 
in their car, right? Remember, he rolls up and he's like, you know. Yeah, but that that corner was, I, I think. You don't think that was the same corner I that think, the little boy was hit? No, I think that was the same corner that the. The uh, honking lady car. Yeah, and that's across I think it's all the, three. No, but it's across the street from the double R because where the kid yeah, got you know hit. that. But the corner where the kid got hit. There was no double there R was, there? Yeah, there was a picket fence on that side. Oh. And then a park on the other side. Or maybe that's oh. the outside of the mobile home. Okay. But we do know something about Harry Dean Stanton's character is that he is, I think he is a source of good. He's got a good heart. But I think he's also placed there as kind of a watchman, if you will, uh, because he can see the boy's spirit leave his body. He can see things. So he's not just an ordinary guy. Um, I think he's one of our angels. I think, like, because when we first see him in Firewalk with me, he's got that sign that says, don't ever... Before nine a.m. Before nine a.m. Wake me up or something, and it's sort of like, and then when you see him in return, the return, it's like he turned into this sage. Yes, he was maybe transformed by by something that happened in Firewalk with me. Yeah, he was planted there. I just see him as some sort of like good agent. Um, so many, for those of us who were like here from the beginning. It was just enjoyable to have certain people back on screen. And also very sad because, um, you know, Jack Nance is no longer with us. Um, Coulson's no longer with us. I was just looking at this cast list. Uh, Miguel Ferrer. Um, there's so many who, uh, Dr. Jacoby, uh, a lot of these guys who are just not here. And, so when people were talking about, oh, the Twin Peaks is going to be a thing now, it's going to be a reoccurring series, and I was just looking at like, okay, maybe. I mean, certainly you could take this story in any number of directions. It's it's rich and rife, but I know that Lynch was like, no, we're not doing this anymore. I think for him, returning to this has been enriching yet painful, and... I think it would kind of ruin it to go back to it. Yeah, I, I think so too. And I think it's all there. Um, I don't know where I read this or saw this, but I was hearing, correct me if I'm wrong, Mr. Frost, that Mark Frost uh, and or David Lynch or someone associated with the production said, you have to watch it uh, multiple times. It's all there. Uh, whatever you think you're, there's nothing missing. It's all here. So I think you would keep finding stuff if you keep if you kept watching it and apparently there's a there's a book out as well yeah and another thing that we're missing is mark frost actually uh wrote a book with tammy preston uh the sexy detective who was brought into the blue rose um inner circle there's a whole thing about her investigating um i think coop's disappearance so we get to know uh, a little bit about her. So if you if you, so if you read that, you would be informed in like why Tammy's presence is important yeah. and what she brings to the table. Although I think they had to cut a lot of her stuff for time; it never really made it in there. But there's a whole full Tammy Preston piece to this. Yeah, and if and if you you know when you watch it, there's also a there's a thing that came out about Laura's diary. There's a whole um, piece that they put out there. So if you want to get even more into the lore. There's Laura's diary that you can go and read. And then there, I think there's a Welcome to Twin Peaks guide. There's websites. And not the least of which, there is the Zone site. Did you know about the Zone? 
um, there's literally the search for the zone.com. This is Bill Hastings and Ruth Davenport's research website. This was this was the um, this is supposed to be the the blog. It's awesome that they put up. It's done so nineties. Nice. But I cut off your thought. No, I was just saying. Um, even um, Preston, it's like her character's not furniture. No one is. You know, and it's like you because she doesn't say a lot, but when she does, it's it's very insightful. And then that one scene where they initiate her into. Um, the Blue Rose group. Mm-hmm. I was like, that was a cool scene. There were so many you know, lovely, there yeah. Was like such humanity in that. And it's like, this is a real person, not just, like I said, furniture on screen. The, so. you know, I, I just loved it. I really, I loved the little, talk about Easter eggs. This whole thing is an Easter egg hunt. Oh, yeah. before it slips my mind. The zone, if you go to the website, there's coordinates on there. And it's supposed to be the coordinates to the, the convenience store, by the way. They uh-huh. figured that one out. They just hadn't visited yet. Poor Bill. Poor Ruth. Poor Major Briggs. Yeah. Um, it would have been cool to see Major Briggs again, but alas, the actor was not with us anymore. Um, so we, we've addressed Judy. And what I think Judy is, I think we see in God of Light how she was made. Um, that would put her about the right age to be Laura's mom's. She's got that kind of unusual sort of face. The story of the little girl down the lane. The story of the little girl down the lane. I think literally this is what we're talking about. And let's get to this theory. That Audrey, this is all in Audrey's head. So I was reading this. Um, I, normally I don't go to other people's like stuff. But I have to say that in this case, Movie Pilot, um, this is a DC fan-off. He's a writer over there. Said that this is what he kind of thinks is going down. So Twin Peaks the series, season two, Audrey ends up in a coma after she goes to the bank and it explodes that possibly in this coma, coma state, not possibly, we know that um, Evil Cooper came to visit her in the hospital. Now, does he rape her? Because he knows he needs to put... Because we know that Black Cooper can see the future. He he knows about certain things are going to happen. I get this feeling. Because it's, de- it's demonstrated in the return. So does he go to Audrey, impregnate her, knowing that he's going to need uh, Richard... His evil half son, his 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 half evil son, to test out one of the coordinates later or use him for some purpose into the future. I think so. If you're going to go with this theory, and Audrey is you know is pregnant, does she give birth in a comatose state? Is that possible? Whatever in Lynch's world, maybe she does, and and we're living in her dream state, or does she come out of the coma, have the baby, have the affair with Billy? is forced to literally marry a Charlie. I don't feel like she's living in the real world. The way the scene was shot between her and Charlie tells me, and certainly the way it ends, that she is not in the physical world. Just the way it's stilted, what he says to her, um, because he says to her, um, she says, she freaks out and says, well, I'm not sure who I am but I'm not me. Who am I supposed to trust but myself? And I don't even know who I am. 
So what the fuck am I supposed to do? So is she a tulpa? Is this literally in her head? Is she being taken over by somebody? Is somebody else like riding around in her body and making her do things? You know, is yeah. she Becky? I don't know. Is she some other character in the I thing? I have no idea. And then she says to Charlie, like, he, he's reminding her to go to the roadhouse so they can find her lover. This is her husband reminding her of this. And she says, is it far? She knows where the roadhouse is. She grew up there. She knows it's a tiny place. Yeah. So that's a strange interchange. And then he says something weird when she starts freaking out and she's being belligerent mm-hmm. and... um. Because now are you going to stop playing games or do I have to end your story too? Very strange thing to say. Also, they talk about a crystal ball. Because I don't know what's happening. Do I have a crystal ball? There's literally a crystal ball on his desk. There's physically a crystal ball on his desk. Like we see the vomit on Sarah Palmer's, you know, coffee table. It's like you have to look at these things and go, what does that mean? So then it takes me back to, and this is what he's saying, and this is what I agree with, it takes me back to the, Gordon Cole talks about the Monica Bellucci dream, right? I had that dream about, and he has obviously a lot of uh, dreams with Monica Bellucci in them because he's, that's his, you know, that's his lady, that's his fantasy lady that he wants to be with. So he's like, has lunch with her at a sidewalk cafe. She brings friends, and then she is telling him in the dream, we are like the dreamer who dreams and then lives inside the dream. And Cole is like, he even turns to um, Albert at one point when they're outside the prison and goes, I got to tell you, this thing just seems very confusing to me. I'm not even sure what's going on. So I feel like a lot of these characters are in these dreamlike states. They, They feel like they're amped up. They feel like they're over the top a lot of times. The pauses go on a little too long. And what does that all of that feel like? It, it feels like a dream. This whole thing feels like a dream. Yeah. Because not all characters in David Litch films are so over the top. So I do think that there's a huge weight to the question that Monica Bellucci asked Cole is, but who is the dreamer? Yeah, and it goes back to that. So you can take, I mean, you can theorize forever. You could. But I do think there's a definitive story that Lynch and Frost are telling. I I just do. Um, So I don't know. What do you guys think out there? I mean, be interesting to hear what your theories are. There's a thousand out there. I think this just wrapped up, uh, what, last Sunday? This is Thursday. I mean... Uh, people are going to be talking about this. Some people haven't even had a chance to see it because they, they, they released the first, what, three, four episodes all at once, and then they released the last uh, 17 and 18 uh, last Sunday. So people are, they haven't even gotten to it yet. So it'll be interesting to see what people come. I mean, like, I probably should just do diligence for the podcast. We should be sitting there, you know, going through it. But I think after you and I watched, um, rewatched it and then watched Fire Walk with me, and then watched half of his documentary about his life, and I watched Blue Velvet like in the middle of the night. I looked at you and I said, "I can't. I'm done. I get it. I, it's just a lot. It's really intense." I'm lynched out. That's what you said. Totally lynched out. And um, yeah. 
it's great visiting this world, but it's a very intense world to visit. It and is. I certainly don't mind that none of my theories are right. I'm going to be way off base. And that's totally fine, too. I'm completely, I mean, do you get? A, do I get a toaster if I get it right? What happens? Do I get a... You get a bouncy ball. I get a year's supply of Black Lodge vomit in a can. Or I get my own jade ring that makes my arm go numb. Because I'm going to get sucked into the blah, blah, blah. Um, Want to say that um, I would encourage you guys to go back and, and just go into Reddit, look at some theories. But going back and, and watching Fire Walk with me, there's so much there. He like literally, I think, got, I felt like the way he directed that film was, okay, you fuckers who are like, so mad about what happened in seasons one and seasons two. Here's literally all the stuff. My arms go back. I was tied behind my back. This is what this means. This is what that means. Like he literally is so frustrated. I think when he goes into that, I feel like he's explaining it to us and fire walk with me and people still didn't get it. <laughs> well, also didn't he like, I don't know if you read this somewhere or you told me is that in the original he was forced by the network to to find how to, to they were forced to divulge who Laura's killer was and i don't think he ever wanted to explain that so with and they were like no hell no you're going to have to be, come up with a and that's why yeah. that's why season 2 feels like a train wreck it feels like a completely different series to me but then and then in firewalk with me he just he owned it. He said, great, since I was forced to come up with a storyline, now the, I'm going to go back and I'm going to – I hope I'm having that right. That, I mean, I think I've read that. I hope I'm not making that up. Well. But, uh, you know, because it just seemed like out of the blue. We were like, what the fuck's going on? Now, it's Leland of all this time? That just feels very convenient and silly and crazy. And so he was like, no, I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to turn this around I'm gonna because this is the artist in, in Lynch. He'll take something like a mistake or a, a forced situation and he'll make it make sense in his well in, in his world. Yeah. Whatever that means. Oh, I forgot two things that um I loved. Um besides Jerry Horn and his foot and getting so fucking high. His shit must be really amazing. Jerry Horn's shit, don't ever do it. You will like end up in what where do you end up? Montana? See, something like that. He ended up like in, from going from. I mean, he drove and he lost his car, but brother was out there probably our entire run of the show. He was days. He's he's lost, and he goes out and like. Yeah, it was only that one scene where he was back at the, at the lodge, with his brother. He was sitting on the couch talking about his. I love that we were just his with Jerry Horn. My my thing with Jerry Horn is again, there's so many uh, themes and memes that came out of the return. Jerry Horn and his foot. I am not your foot. That was probably one of my favorite things. He's just tripping balls. So hardcore. And then he thinks that his binoculars kills a guy when it's just um, Bad Cooper obliterating his son, uh, you know, in the the awful coordinates place that was trying to burn him up because they were laying a trap for him. I also loved Wally uh, Brando. I loved Michael Sarah showing up and playing Andy and Lucy's kid. And for whatever awesome reason um they have him being born on brando's same birthday and he does this full-on what eight minute whatever minute thing monologue as marlon brando dressed up 
from the wild ones. Yeah, that was good. See, people like think the whole show is just random like that. No, he gives you these random moments, but that one I really, I loved that. One of my favorite moments. It's just one of the Lynch things that he does. Um, I'm still kind of bothered, troubled by the honking woman and the bullet and all of that. I'm sure I'm going to go off and try to still figure out what that is. And I'm just going to blurt it at the end of like preacher or whatever, you know, that we're doing in the next couple of weeks. Cause I figured it out. I figured it, it out. Because it, okay. That is that little girl bubbles up from the seat I thought she was appearing out of nowhere. I think the woman was screaming because the the she she was referencing wasn't in the car with her. I think she's just randomly associating. She's got herself heated up. And I think that thing bubbles up out of the seat. I don't know. That's how I felt like that was going on. Or the girl was literally coughing up the uh, Black Lodge gook in the same place that It was green, Mike, though. Well... You know, maybe when you're young, it's, but like maybe she was, she was a tulpa and she was, you know, being destroyed on that spot because the car was forced to stop because the kid shot the gun. That's, this is the kind of stuff that Lynch would do. So the kid finds the car, gun in the car, decides to shoot out the window, forcing everybody to stop down at that very spot where Mike back in the day confronted Leland over Laura, Right. So the woman is stuck in that very spot where Leland's car was, and it caused this vomity reaction out of the girl. She's honking. He was honking. Mm-hmm. Madly. Wouldn't stop. I definitely think it's a callback to that scene. I don't know literally what was happening there, except for that the girl either didn't exist or she was a tulpa all this time and her her... Her evil pain and suffering stuff was coming up out of her mouth. I don't know. I do not know. I just know that that's something that the it's called Garmanbosia. I think that she was coughing that stuff up there. There was something to it. I'm telling you. Yeah, we'll have to figure that one out. Do you have any more? I mean, did you have any random thoughts? No, I just, I just, you know, I really like the the whole. You started to like it, like, when we were going through the rewatch. The the rewatch, I was totally into it. But the first one, with the first watch, I think you were kind of half paying attention while I was watching it, right? Yeah, I was half paying attention. I was trying to, you know, I wasn't wasn't as as into it as the second watch. And then you were, I was Um, was happy that you were. But I just, I mean, I had to sort of, like, you know, dip my my feet in and then jump in later on. Sometimes I'm, I'm like that. Oh. Obvious thing, but I want to. I don't know why I just need to say this. It's because the the woodsman is forcing me to. Um, going back to that white horse, because we saw it in the original series. The horse shows up in the living room. It shows up in the Red Lodge, Black Lodge. Uh, the image of the horse. So that guy, the godlike guy, goes into the station back in the fifties, the night that I believe that Sarah Palmer. Um, you know, is eats the bug eats or the, the bug. bug. Well, because here's what I think happens. He goes and he chants this thing. He's he's directed by Judy, uh, the thing that is, you know, running this whole show to go to the station, and uh, the radio station grab the mic and say, "This is the water and this is the well. Drink full and descend." 
the horse is the white of the eyes and dark within. Right? There's so much to this sentence. I can't even begin to get into how big of a deal this was. I can't even believe I didn't spend a whole lot more time on it. But anyway, it causes all the people within hearing distance to fall into a slumber. Uh, we we see three different situations where this happens. One's with the Chili Johns. Another was like another yeah, one, one was, was Chili Johns. Another one was the uh, that's in Burbank. And then there is an uh, the waitress that diner is called Chili Johns in real life. It's used all the time. We see it all the time in movies. Then it's in big, a uh, it's in a uh, Carl's Jr. commercial too. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And then there's the mechanic who falls asleep, and then we see the little girl who lived down the lane, literally walking down the lane to her home hear this chant over and over again. She lays down, and then the moth, frog, bug, Judy thing crawls up the side of the deal and goes in and crawls inside her mouth. I think that's Sarah Palmer. I think uh, that's the beginning of all that. And I don't think we just saw this for no reason. Again, people say think that he's just showing you random shit. That's what I think is exactly what happened. I feel like I did this entire podcast as though... I were doing all the cocaine that Steven was doing. It's It just feels like skittery, skittery. But that's kind of what Lynch does to you when you're trying to explain stuff. You think, oh, I'm going to go into this calmly, and I'm going to lay this out. No, it's not going to happen. So so coming up, we got uh, Preacher's About to Rap. We'll be doing uh, that podcast. And it is in theaters this Friday. Uh, if you're listening to this off into the future, it won't be the Friday that's coming up, so don't be confused. It could be any random Friday, but just know that in the year of our Lord, 2017, September 8th, it will be in theaters. And I'm excited. I probably won't see it in the theater because we don't. that's not how I really take movies in. Um, but I do will see it eventually. It's got Bill Skarsgård as Pennywise. Looking forward to his performance. And a whole bunch of cool kids, very talented kids one of which was in stranger things uh wolf finnard is in it uh-huh. um so like just um probably said his name wrong i'm sorry sorry dude sorry dude um so just there's so many people in the cast of twin peaks and i couldn't even remember half of those guys so it's not gonna happen but just watch uh watch it if you're into like really good well-made horror films i'm excited um uh, about this one coming back around huge stephen king fan yeah, I haven't even seen that one. Okay, so we're going to go and uh, play uh, Ian's favorite song now, just to send you on home. We probably won't play the whole thing, but you can but we'll probably... we'll fade out on it. Yeah, you're going to fade out on James, and then... So mean. It's just... Yeah. It's, that's... James, you're very talented, no matter what Ian says. All right, you guys have a good week. Take care of yourself. Have a great weekend. And remember... It's not about the bunny. Or is it? Just you.